Hi, Elise. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for making the time. Hi, Elena. Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful to be here today. I'm really excited to chat about the things that you're doing. Um, I think it's going to be super interesting to the audience to hear about it, but I want you to also give us a little bit of a context about, you know, how did you come about doing what you're doing today? Give me a little career snapshot. Okay. Well, it might be a little bit more snapshot because my career really formed out of a personal experience that I had back when I was 13 years old. Um, and I was constantly taunted as obese Elise, and I never knew you could rhyme my name with anything. Um, but it was really interesting because it was good information and feedback that was coming in uh, from the outside, but from an internal standpoint, I never felt good and I was overweight. Um, I never really looked you know, the way that I felt like I should or the way other kiddos looked. I was always thin in my arms and my legs, but my stomach seemed to always have like this tire around it and it was inflammation. Um, and I remember just thinking, you know, why do I feel this way? And why do I look like this? Um, and I don't want to feel this way and I don't want to look like this. And so that really prompted me at 13 years old to go to my mom and say, I don't like the way I look or feel and I want to change. Um, and she has a, a very holistic background as well. And so we went to the food first and that's where we started. And luckily, uh, you know, 20 some odd years ago now, there was no dietitian or registered dietitian that would see me for liability reasons for seeing a 13 year old. So I started seeing a holistic nutritionist and that was really a gift because at that time, you know, I'm able to look back and see that she was really taking a functional medicine approach, which we'll talk about, as well as a coach approach. So she really, um, I remember sitting in her office and we sat there for two hours. She must have asked me a ton of questions, very open-ended questions, you know, about everything and anything, you know, you can think about. Um, and she helped me to co-create a plan that was individualized and personalized for me. And now looking back and knowing stages of change and um, understanding what it looks like to, to be able to make change. I was ready. I was, um, confident, you know, I was internally motivated. These are all like ingredients that you need to, to actually go ahead and make this change. And so within about two months, I went from processed foods to whole real foods. And I lost about 50 pounds without dieting or calorie counting or, you know, being on a restricted food plan by any means, it was, you know, we did go off dairy and corn and some other things that could be inflammatory. And my body just like, just mm -hmm. completely, it was like a, someone put a pin in me. And hey, you, thanks for watching. If you're enjoying this episode, make sure to share it with friends and family who might find it interesting. Make sure to hit the subscribe button as well to stay up to date on weekly new videos that are going to be coming out with some awesome guests that I bring on. And uh, if you have any questions, use the comment section to ask me questions, to interact. I look forward to talking to you. And so I realized I had this aha moment, food is medicine. I have to share this message with the world and get this message out there. But I was 13. Who was going to listen to me? I didn't have any formal education, you know, I was barely in middle school going into high school. Um, and so I really, set, that set me off on my professional path. Um, and I 
went and did my undergrad degree in nutritional sciences and dietetics and realized there was a really different dogma and paradigm being taught in, in school. It was very much the calories in, calories out diet paradigm. And I also realized that being a dietitian was very much um, a, a very direct, directive approach, you know, eat this, don't eat that. And through my own personal experience, I realized that, you know, just eating, let alone changing other things in your lifestyle takes time. It takes support. It takes uh, advocacy and encouragement on a daily basis sometimes. Um, and I just realized that was just one slice of the pie. So I set out and did a dual masters in holistic nutrition and clinical health psychology. Um, Cause I was really curious about why, you know, we have all this information. I mean, we've got more information I think than we know what to do with at this point, but yet so many people are still struggling to connect the dots and to get to the root cause of what's going on and to um, really make changes in their life that are impactful and are meaningful and purposeful. Um, and so I've always been curious. I've always asked why I've always wanted to get the root cause when I was in grad school, um, another aha came about, I got diagnosed with celiac disease and no one uh, for months could get to the root of what was happening with me. I probably went and saw 10 different practitioners and we finally were able to get a diagnosis from a functional medicine doctor. So some of you might have heard of functional medicine. Some of you are like, what is that? I've never heard of that. Um, and functional medicine is really a philosophy. It's really, um, a way of thinking, it's a way of looking at the whole person and that all of these systems are interconnected and it's an evidence-based approach. It's a way to um, really meet someone where they're at, take a client-centered approach. And um, so I was able to get a diagnosis from this functional medicine doctor. And I remember he gave me this diagnosis and he gave me two pieces of paper you know, and walked away and was like, okay, time to go make some big changes in your life. And with the schooling and the education and my own personal experiences that I had, I'm like, this is not enough. Like, I mean, I can do this on my own. It's going to take me a heck of a longer time. I wish that I had someone with a similar skill set and knowledge set who could um, really shorten the time here and help me get better faster. And so that's where I really acknowledge that there was a gap in healthcare between the practitioner and the provider. And I wanted to change that. I didn't know what that was gonna look like. Um, but fast forward a few years, I met my business partner, Sandra Scheinbaum, and she and I co-founded the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. So it's an online school, um, it's international, and it's a virtual school. And we train health coaches in functional medicine and functional nutrition and mind-body techniques and, and the art and science of coaching. And what's different is that we look at the positive psychology. We look at what's going well with you already. And we look at your strengths, you know, so if someone has a high strength of creativity, um, you know, or gratitude or honesty, you know, we look at how can we partner with you as a coach and support you using what's already going well, what your strengths are to help move you forward on the goals that you want to. So that's where we're at. To date, we um, got about nearly 4,000 graduates worldwide, 
and it's just a very exciting time in healthcare because people need support, a lot of support right now. Mm. So, so many things going on in the world. Uh, absolutely. And kudos to you to recognizing that at an earlier age and actually setting on route to be like, I really want to impact people. Now you're doing that, not only directly people, but also kind of educating others so they can impact. So it's like multiplying the impact uh, on, on the world, essentially. So that's that, that that's really amazing. Um, you've mentioned a lot of great points, and I just want to pick on a couple of those. So one, you were talking about the root cause. And I think that's so essential because a lot of times, you know, we don't get even in like, even, in, even in just life situations or work situations and health, like we never get to the root cause, right? So like, it's always like the surface. So and is it because it's just easier to attack the surface versus getting to the root cause? What have you seen, especially in the in the health world, I guess? That's such a good question. Um, I love it. It's so funny, because in my experience, the root cause, or the, sorry, the, that top symptom, if you will, it's never the real issue. Mm-hmm. It's just the, um, yeah, it's just what's kind of presenting itself right now, right? And that can change and that can morph into other things. What I've seen when we can get to a root cause is a couple things. And I think this is really where the, where the value of a functional medicine certified and trained health coach comes in, where you can create a safe space for someone and know how to do that, um, know how to create a, a, a trust and a bonding and a rapport with someone so that, and sometimes that requires the coach or whoever, you know, to, to open up the vulnerability door, if you will, a little bit, and to share something a little vulnerable to allow space for someone else to come in and step in and say, oh, okay, they just open up a little bit. I, I think that's okay. I think I can do that as well. Mm-hmm. But there's, it's a process and it doesn't just happen overnight or in one session. You know, there's, there really is no, just like there's, you can't give a pill for every ill. You, you can't just make this shift overnight. There are some uncovering and some layers to, it's like uncovering, you know, I'm sure you've heard the onion, you know, and unraveling that and getting to the core and sometimes stopping for a little bit and pausing and reflecting and seeing, you know, wow, that, how did that, what did I really learn from that? What impacted me there? And um, yeah, so I think a lot of it comes back to being able to create a space so that you can go deeper and get to the core because a lot of the times what I've seen in practice um, is that if people try to just rush in there or I know a lot of people and I've been there too, you know, from a space of being a, a director or wanting to just, I know the answer, I know what's wrong with you. You know, I can tell you, I I can see it. I can, (laughs) we really, as coaches take kind of a back seat in a good way. Mm -hmm. And it's really to empower the client to step into their own process and to own their health, to own what's happening. It's so much more powerful, even though it takes longer. And even though like you can see it, it's so much more powerful and impactful to ask the appropriate open-ended questions and to gauge, you know, where you're at with that client. It's this dynamic dance um, going back and forth. 
um, so that they can make those connections. Mm -hmm. That's really where the real impact comes. So it's great that, you know, we can see it, but the client really needs to be able to see it. And then, and then, you know, to be able to ask another open-ended question, like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what could be done about that. And, you know, kind of just see what answers bubble up to them. I mean, so it's really about trusting that the client has those answers and the magic within them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think vulnerability and just creating that safe space is essential. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, especially now, I mean, in in our world of well-being with Besser, we notice that, you know, when it looks, when we look at research, that this impact of loneliness, of disconnect with others as technologies, we're becoming more and more kind of technologically advanced and connected in many ways, but disconnected in others. Um, you know, it, it's, and especially for the upcoming generations, they're almost losing, not, I don't want to say losing, it's a big assumption, but they're, they're, the social and emotional aspects of younger generations coming in are definitely not then, let's say, you know, when, when you and I perhaps were growing up or even our parents, right? So there's definitely impact there and, and you know, loneliness and these sort of things are already one of the biggest you know, issues we have globally. And I can only imagine how that impacts, it's, you know, it's that mind-body connection, how our mindsets, how that piece of loneliness impacts us just on so many different levels and, and, and how important it is to have somebody to talk you through things. And, you know, and, and I want to talk a little bit more about that because I know just in terms of how we relate to food. I mean, from my experience, I'm, I'm a complete emotional eater. So, I mean, whenever I feel a little bit stressed and et cetera, like I reach for things or when I'm tired, but I didn't get enough sleep, right? So it's like having somebody to walk, you know, work through these things is so important. Um, and, and, but it requires a lot of vulnerability. Uh, and so it's, it's a, so I, I agree in that it requires a lot of, you know, feeling safe in that space and not everybody is able to create that space for others as well. So, I think it's, um, you know, so, so yeah, but uh, so I wanted to ask you, you know, when it comes to emotions, I guess, and, and, and eating, or just as an example, emotions and, you know, our, how we process food, how it affects our moods and these sort of things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh yeah. I love talking about this. Um, it's totally my wheelhouse <laughs> and coming from, yeah, someone who is an emotional eater, um, as well. And sometimes, you know, falls back into those patterns and we all do, and it's, we're going to normalize it because listen, no one's perfect. Right. Um, and happens and we're under a lot of stress right now on a global level. Um, everyone has their own, uh, stressors that they're dealing with, you know, at a micro level as well in their own households and work and yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Um, but typically, you know, the emotions that we feel, I mean, they're there for a reason. There is information there. Just like food is information, emotions are information as well. One of the things that I've seen is not a ton of people are super great or have a really good um, repertoire of identifying very specific emotions that they're actually having in the moment. And they don't necessarily know how to cope with, or they don't have the coping skills to deal with um, an emotional response that they might be having. And so this is kind of one of those instances where 
you know, you can kind of go back in time and, and wonder, I, I wonder when did this start or what did this look like for you or what kind of um, a situation occurred? When can you remember this first happening to really get some insights for yourself in a non-judgmental space, mm-hmm. just to be aware of like what actually happened. Do you, when do you remember this behavior starting, right? Because I think we, you and I are both really in, into his behaviors and habits and things like that. Um, you know, and, and so when I work with, with anyone and even with myself, cause I still struggle with it sometimes, you know, I always go back to the emotion and just ask myself the very simple question of like, what is it that you're feeling right now? Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I'll give myself this permission to say like, beliefs, you know, or whoever the food's there, you can have it. It's not off limits, but mm-hmm. let's just pause for a second, for a minute. Let's just check in with ourselves what is it that you're feeling? What are the emotions going on? See if you can identify all of those. Let's check in with your body. Where are those coming into play? And then what do you need? Because typically there's emotions that are kind of like the check engine lights that come on, on a car, if you think of it. Um, They're flashing. They're kind of telling you like, hey, you need to get out over to the side, check out under the hood, what's going on. And that's exactly what you can do. I mean, you can check under the hood. You can ask yourself these really um, open-ended questions. What are, you, what are you feeling? Where are you feeling it? What do you need right now? And then can you give yourself that need? You know, maybe you are feeling isolated or disconnected. And what do you need? You know, maybe you need to feel connected or loved or I don't know, I mean, you fill in the blank, right? I mean, so then the next question would be, well, how, how could you give that to yourself right now? Or where could you get that from if you need to get it outside of yourself? Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole kind of cascade that you can go down and then kind of come back up so you can um, support yourself in, in that kind of a pattern. But when we go to the root cause and we kind of go upstream and talk about like, what even got me into that space in the first place? Sometimes that might need to happen a little bit after the fact to kind of give you some time to calm down. But when you can go back upstream and say, gosh, you know, maybe it was an argument with a coworker or with a spouse or partner or a family member, or I don't know, the news or something like that, you know, there's a lot that could be triggering that. And so identifying, you know, what are those triggers? What are those things for you that, you know, maybe it could be people, places, things, so many different things. Um, that might set off that emotional eating response. And then, you know, we talk about tiny habits and BJ Fogg, who's actually one of our um, uh, faculty members at the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. You know, how could, you know, we teach our students about tiny habits and building this. And, you know, how can you prompt yourself to, um, you know, when that does occur, you know, to, to give yourself some time and space to, um, ask yourself those questions or to put in a new habit or, um, you know, do what you need to, to do so that it doesn't go into those destructive, you know, patterns Mm -hmm. and, and have those keep playing out. So, um, yeah, there's definitely ways to, to work around that and to go upstream and start to implement new habits for sure uh, around emotional eating. And it, it really is about habits because, and that's why habits are there. They're beautiful in one aspect because we don't have to think about them so much, but then they're also not great because we don't think about them so much. And so like when you're feeling stressed and you're reaching for something, like in my case, I really have to pause and I, I, I 
almost always fail in this case, but I have to, I really have to put a lot of effort to pause, like literally like sticky notes to remember that I'm not really hungry and I don't need to snack or do you know what I mean? That I'm just under stress. And my habit is to reach for comfort food because that's what, that's what my body's craving. Or if I know I didn't get enough sleep, uh, I, I know I'm craving sugar. And so, and one of the things that worked for me at least is I try to, first of all, I don't keep anything, I try to avoid keeping anything like bad for my, you know, for health in my house. I try to keep like healthy snacks, whatever it may be. I'm not always perfect, but you know, it's, um, that helps like removing the access to certain things. Totally. It allows you to like slow down, right? That's how I, what I found. Like it allows you to be like, oh, all right, let me think about this decision. Am I going to regret it later? How am I going to feel? So oh, yeah. totally. Uh, a great one. And I think you touched on a really good point. Like, how do you even know if you're hungry or not? And that goes into something I'm really passionate about, which is, um, this isn't super widespread and talked about, but it's an intuitive eating. You know, there's so many diets and fads out there. And yet I think sometimes we forget that we actually do know how to eat. I mean, we're human beings. This is biologically wired within us. We, there's so many outside messages that come in telling us what to eat, how to eat, when to eat, where to eat, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. And I think over the years, we've just become very confused. But when we can, if you have an interest in that, of course, um, you know, there is a whole body of knowledge that's very well researched as well on intuitive eating and getting back in touch with your hunger fullness signals and really understanding what hunger means to you and you know, taking back ownership of that. So mm. that's a fascinating topic as well. Uh, absolutely. I mean, that, that, that's a whole other podcast on its own. I think it's super interesting, but I'm really curious. Um, again, that's something I've really, in the last few years, I came to kind of start noticing, but how food makes me feel. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate. And I think just, that's another thing we don't do. We don't listen to our body and our bodies are so smart. And we just don't listen to, we don't listen to it, to how we feel after certain foods. Right. Um, and so, and even like the impact on the mood and, and all these different things, energy levels. So talk to me a little bit about, I guess, about the connection of, or, you know, gut health in its own. I mean, I mean, I'm sure that's a whole other topic on. Some oh yeah. That's, that's topic. And that's something we cover, you know, as well at, at the functional medicine coaching Academy, I mean, you gut brain connection and it's a whole interconnected you know system mm-hmm. um i don't even know where to start with this because there are so many things that i could say i will just validate that your body is so wise and if we can either be taught or reteach ourselves how to listen to you know what's happening i mean of course there are there's really good information out there and, you know, data points as far as understanding labs, you know, and what's going on, on a, you know, from a a biochemical standpoint and um, getting that kind of data and information, figuring out, you know, if we have SIBO or all the, all the things, right. I mean, there's, there's so many different things, but at the end of the day, that's kind of just a snapshot in time. And what we get to rely on, I believe every single day is, you know, our, our internal body wisdom as well. I mean, we cannot discount that um, either. And so 
being able to, to learn and understand your body's cues and clues, I call them, mm-hmm. you know, what happens when you eat a Snickers bar? You know, do you feel your heart starting to race? Do you feel like, yeah, you've got a lot of energy, but it's also like almost super hyper energy, or do you feel like a total slump afterwards? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and of course, with all of the different, um, you know, remote monitoring systems, you know, you can monitor a lot of these things, but if you don't either have access to that or, um, you know, you're not willing to, to do that or whatnot, there are still ways that you can connect internally with yourself and just uh, really, you know, like I had a cup of coffee this morning. I've been, I've not been doing coffee for a couple of weeks now. I've just been doing decaf tea and I had a cup of coffee and I was like dizzy and felt shaky. Oh my God, just one cup of coffee. And I'm like, okay, my body is talking to me. And, and I think it's our jobs and our responsibilities to listen. Um, and I think, you know, from a global perspective, that's one thing I'd really love to see is just that we start listening more to ourselves, to each other. Mm. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to see what happens if we start really listening. Really yeah. listening, yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that, like you said, like our body sends so many signals. And when I talk to friends and I'm like, guys, like you're not supposed, we're not supposed to, f- if you feel tired and you got like your seven or eight hours of sleep, like or maybe you didn't, but you should not feel tired. That is not a default state of a human being. Like, we should, do you know what I mean? So it's like something is happening. If you feel exhausted or tired, surely maybe sometimes it's the weather, it gets us down, right? Like on the East Coast, for example. But it's not normal to feel tired all the time. It's not normal to, to you know, like, and it's, it's just like, it's, I mean, it, or to feel a certain way, or to feel bloated after certain foods. So it's like paying attention to that is so important. And the funny part is when you start to eliminate certain foods, if you start to pay attention and you feel so much better and you have energy and et cetera, I'm just generalizing now, obviously, but, and what you realize is that after a while, when you remove certain foods, like if it's processed food or fried food, and then you kind of go into that whole foods kind of approach or, you know, cooking at home and using natural ingredients and et cetera, when you do have some food that you're not used to your body's not used to it rejects it like the, you know it literally rejects and you're like whoa it like uh, kind of like what you described with coffee because your body's like wait a minute we're not used to this and you were like oh you know and 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 it, the body does it for so many things um it's just it's comfortable for you to notice you know and i think that's another thing that as a society maybe even a global society but I think um, we are not comfortable getting uncomfortable. We're not uncomfortable with feeling feelings or this is a generalization. I'm aware of that. I know some people are and can work with it, but you know, we're not comfortable with if we ate a ton of like pizza and popcorn and chicken nuggets and beer and whatever. And then we you know, we're uncomfortable because we're extremely bloated and gassy and have a heartburn and just, oh, you know, so full. So we take, you know, Pepsi AC or whatever it is, we have to numb it out, right? There's so many different ways of numbing, which I understand we're going into another conversation, but um, it's, it's really numbing and dampening down again, that body's inner wisdom and yeah. intuition to say, 
not working for me and you got to listen or else I'm going to, you know, this was a little tap, but I'm going to start knocking a little bit harder. Yeah. That's so interesting. You're so right. We just go to numbing. Like we're like, oh, my stomach hurts. We don't ask why it hurts. We just said, we're going to go and take medicine and, and kill this little sign that our body's like, hello, I'm smart. I need to, I'm telling you something like this is happening. And that's why we have, you know, when you're, you know, people are getting into their forties and fifties, sometimes even earlier, they drop up heart attacks, you know, perfectly fine, you know, 42 year old, you know, et cetera, like with no prior issues, but that's because it's been brewing inside of you different things. And a lot of illnesses and diseases come as a result of years and years of inflammation and, and poor diets and, all, and, and you know, just with everything that we have uh, with environmental factors, there's a lot of other factors. Surely there's also med- medical issues, but a lot of it could be prevented with choosing the right kind of foods, you know, making the right choices, creating habits and things like that. So um, yeah, I hope if people take away anything from these conversations, don't numb the pain and the messages your body's sending you. Yeah. Yeah. Ask why, what's going on here? What, you know, journal a little bit. I know some people are like, Oh, I don't want to journal, but, um, sometimes getting that out onto to paper can be helpful. You know, mm-hmm. just asking like, where am I feeling this in my, in my body? And then seeking, you know, I think one of the things that I really encourage people to do is to start owning your health, you know, start seeking out answers, even if it's just on, you know, Google or YouTube or whatever. I mean, that's where a lot of people start you know, hopefully that will lead you to a provider, a practitioner, or a way of thinking that might align with your values, your belief systems, you know, and, and support you. But um, I know a lot of people come to the functional medicine just community and, and FMCA as the academy because they've traveled so many paths. They've started, you know, at one place and, and kept going down their path to try to find something that does work for them. And they've been able to find answers when they get to functional medicine, Mm. which is really, you know, it's, it's really a godsend. So. Mm, Absolutely. And so talk to me a little bit about you as an entrepreneur. So it, it, you know, I, I know you're passionate about what you do and I think that helps quite a bit of keeping you motivated and just kind of getting out of bed every morning and, and pursuing that purpose. But, you know, what is it that you do on a daily basis that maybe helps you with your routines and your habits to, to also maintain a well-being? Because no matter how much you love something, it can still be stressful. It's a roller coaster on, on daily basis. So what do you do? It's a really good question. I can answer that a couple of ways because lately, and this is just being really vulnerable and raw and honest. Um, and I told you at the beginning, you know, I just got over the flu and being sick. And there's been days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, it's hard to get, you know, out of bed some days. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say every day, it's like walking into sunshine and rainbows and, you know, sparkles everywhere. <laughs> Cause it's not like that every day. Right. I'm a normal person. I have a family, um, you know, running a business, there's a lot going on. And then I have my own personal health issues as well that I'm dealing with, but what does help me and what's been a tremendous help in my my world. This is, this is not a one size fits all. Um, I really encourage everyone. You got to find what works for you. And it's taken me, sometimes it shifts into ebbs and it flows, but it definitely took me like over a year to get a solid routine in. Cause I had to figure out what worked for me. I remember, you know, I read, um, the 6am or 5am club, excuse me. 
uh, by Robin Sharma. And he talks about like, get up at 5 a.m. and start working out. Well, I tried that. I almost broke my ankle. Like, I'm not going to do that, you know? So that's just not going to work for me. But what does work for me is, um, now this is an ideal situation and this has not been happening lately just because of, um, just not, you know, feeling good and making sure I'm getting enough sleep and all that. But typically I love to get up at 5 a.m., 5 or 6 a.m. And I will run a whole morning routine. So I love to meditate first thing in the morning. I then love to journal. And then I do some sort of a growth activity. So that 60 minutes, I'll break up into 20 minute sections and I'll journal on whatever it is, my visioning, visioning for, you know, where, what my vision is. Um, Cause that ebbs and flows as well. I will journal on how I want the day to unfold um, and I'll reverse engineer it. I will um, just do a gratitude list. So there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, and then the growth activities could be like reading or an audiobook. Um, sometimes I'll couple that when the weather is nice because I'm, I'm in Chicago and it's probably similar to where you are. Um, you know, so like reading or listening to an audiobook while I'm walking, like a gentle nature walk in the morning or a gratitude walk that I do, um, you know, or listening to a webinar or podcast, some sort of growth to like get me inspired in the morning. And then of course I'll get ready and do my daily things. I always make my bed, um, just, you know, another thing to kind of feel accomplished about. So it's really starting the day kind of, I think about it with these bookends, so starting the day well, and then ending the day well. And the way I end the day, um, typically I go to bed at 9 p.m. So kind of early, but I realize if you're going to wake up early, you have to go to bed a little bit earlier. Um, so I'll get my daughter to sleep and then it's a whole hour of just winding down. So that could look like, um, sometimes I'll give myself some free time and just do a little scrolling on Pinterest or Instagram or whatever, just mindlessly a little bit. But then we get into a routine of journaling and I journal what went well, what did I learn that day? Um, what kind of impact did I make on anyone that day? And then we go into some reading, just, you know, depending on 15, 20 minutes. And then I end with a meditation and I go off to sleep. So that's, those are my bookends. And if I can keep those two pretty consistent, I set, you know, myself up on a for daily success. And it's been very powerful to have those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think it's spot on to just kind of start your day and end your day on certain notes. I think that's where it's at. It really kind of prepares you and also grounds you for whatever may happen and whatever has happened. You just kind of let that go and not let it you know, formulate inside of you. So it's good to kind of um, let that go. That's, that's a good point. I'm, I, I, that's something I'm definitely need to do better. This is the, the end of my day. I'm not the greatest about the end of my day. Um, but, but yeah, but I also sleep very early. So I'm with you on there. It's not early. So I'm not, I'll go to sleep sometimes at like 8 30 PM nine. I mean, I'm asleep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm out, but, but I also very much wake up at 4 a.m., 4.30, 5 a.m. So I love my mornings. It's uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. So my friends laugh at me and, um, I, you know, yeah. so, but it is what it is. No, there, yeah. Mornings are, there's some really special moments in the morning, I think. So yeah. Sure. I agree. 
Um, so if you had a magic wand to kind of for for the audience to take anything away from here and you said, okay, if you do this, this is this is kind of what I want you to walk away with, what would you like to see happen? Um, honestly, I think this is part of a bigger vision that I have. And it really just I think it's meant to serve everyone. And it would be, you know, what is just one tiny step that you can take towards, you know, really taking charge or owning your health, you know, taking your, taking your health back um, and just owning it. And it could just be something as simple as I'm gonna, I don't know, I'm gonna take a walk for five minutes every day, just starting with that. Or I'm gonna meditate for one minute a day, or I'm just gonna go to bed 20 minutes early. It doesn't need to be this huge transformation or overhaul. It just needs to start with one thing and to be consistent with that. And, um, you know, for example, let me tell you something. So I, um, I've been saying for years, I want to start French again. I want to do it. Right. So I had to really sit and have a conversation with myself. I'm like, okay, do you have access to French lessons? Do you have the money? Do you have the time or what kind of time do you have to put into it? And then like really kind of go through a little inventory of these questions for myself. And when I was able to put it all on paper, I'm like, okay, realistically, yeah, I've got the money. I have, you know, the time. Do I have an hour every day? No, but probably like five or 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started like just being curious and researching online and I found Duolingo. And this is like not a plug for them or anything. You got to find what works for you. Um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is an app. It's like seven bucks a month. That's totally doable and realistic. It's on my phone. It's super convenient. I have access to it anytime I want, as long as I can remember, or it can send me a quick little notification or update to say like, Hey, you didn't do your lesson today. I can do five minutes a day um, and I've been doing 51 days so far. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that's, that's a great example. Thank you for sharing that. And so if people want to learn a little bit more about your programs or, you know, maybe it's a health coach listening to this, maybe it's just an individual, where can they find you? Where do you hang out on social media? Yeah. Well, um, if you are curious about uh, functional medicine and health coaching, you can come over to functionalmedicinecoaching.org. Um, and then we have a YouTube channel. We have an Instagram channel. It's at functional med coach. You can connect with me personally at Elise, E-L-Y-S-E -E underscore Wagner, W-A-G-N-E-R. Um, so there's a lot of ways that we can stay connected. Awesome. And I'm going to make sure to include it all in the description. So stay tuned for that. Um, listen, Elise, thank you so much for a nice conversation, for really helpful tips. And I, I think it's important conversation to have. And I'm glad you're, you're one of those people that are just kind of out there and doing the work to to put this information forward. So thank you so much. Um, and I look forward to chatting with you again sometime. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. And I hope you were able to get something from this. I'd love to know. So if you put this on YouTube, people can put a comment below what their insight or aha moment was. Um, yeah, but thank you so much for, for sharing this and, and I appreciate you. Thank you.